0: Welcome to Nonprofits, Let's Cut to the Chase, a micro-podcast series brought to you by the Greater Cincinnati Nonprofit News, your connection for nonprofit news and jobs. In each episode, you will join Jane Page Steiner, owner and publisher of the Greater Cincinnati Nonprofit News, as she talks with leaders and professionals about topics and issues of interest to the nonprofit community. Tune in as we cut to the chase and help you quickly gain knowledge and insights on important nonprofit issues.
1: Welcome to Nonprofits Let's Cut to the Chase. I'm your host, Jane Page Steiner. We've all heard the common advice from fundraising experts. People give because someone asks them. Yet many minority populations report they are less likely to be asked, is your organization ready to explore ways to expand and be more inclusive in its fundraising practices? Lots of people don't know where to start, but doing nothing is the worst. I'm very excited to welcome our guest today, Adrienne Taylor, the Development Director of the Women's Fund of the Greater Cincinnati Foundation, and Dolores Dodson, Assistant Director of Development of the University of Cincinnati's College of Medicine and Health. Both Dolores and Adrian are active in the Greater Cincinnati Chapter of the Association of Fundraising Professionals or AFP. Welcome Adrian and Dolores, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us Jane, we're really excited to be here. Well good, I'm really excited to talk to you about this and um, you know we're, I think it's going to be a really interesting topic. But before we get started, I want to remind our listeners to stick around till the end of the podcast where we, we will hear a fun joke from Adrian, as we always like to end with a smile. Also, if you want to learn more about Adrian and, and or Dolores or how to contact them, go to our podcast page on our website at jpsnonprofit.com. So Adrian and Dolores, we're going to jump right in and, and as we say, cut to the chase. I think most nonprofits want to expand and be more inclusive in their fundraising and reach out to more minorities, but they're not sure where to begin. They don't wanna do something wrong or they don't want to unintentionally offend anyone. So they do nothing. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that or how, you know, can people begin to bridge that and get started? Um, I would say that this brings into
2: question how important it is to diversify your boards um, and employees within the institution. and, and lean on them and, and talk to them about their contacts and, and get some people in the room and kind of just have that genuine conversation of asking how they would like to be spoken to, how they would like to be cultivated and, and what motivates them to give and having those authentic questions that build a relationship, not necessarily making an ask right then and there, but just saying, you know, owning the problem that we need to do a better job here. Um, and can you help us along the way and educate us?
1: Okay, I I like that. Do you have any maybe examples of how you've seen that done with different organizations?
2: Um, I think right now in in higher education, there's been a push to develop affinity groups. And a lot of times, I think in the beginning process of that, um, you connect with your alumni and you talk to them about their experiences at the institution. You learn, you know, if they had a a negative experience, you know, what you could do to potentially... Show them the, the brighter future for students to come. Um, so I think that's being done in different ways, but, um, and I also think that there's a push for people to diversify boards right now. They're, they're understanding that there is a benefit to having different experiences from backgrounds in education, um, racial ethnicity, and um, just, you know, industry. And I think that that's proving a long way to, to kind of expand people's horizons
1: and who they cultivate for, for gifts. Absolutely. Okay. That's very helpful.
3: Can I add to that? Um, I just want to say what the next step could potentially be after you have all of these conversations and ask um, your potential volunteers or potential donors the best way to engage them is test some of those um, theories and feedback that you received in these conversations. Um, so So many times we just get access to information and we set on it and talk about it and strategize about how to use it, but then we actually don't use it. And when I say test, I mean something as simple as some people might like the fluffy, touchy, feely direct mail pieces. Some people might want something that's very factual. Give me the numbers, give me graphs, data, and charts. Um, Test those, send half of your group the really data heavy piece and maybe test the touchy feely direct mail pieces and see how that lands with people, see how they, how they respond um, and go from there.
1: No, I think that's great. I especially like the idea of the testing because that's really a good way to see um, what people's preferences are. So can you share what you see as some do's and don'ts when engaging with minority groups as it relates to fundraising?
3: I think my biggest don't is don't assume that what works for another demographic group or another population is going to work on another group. Um, And I will share an example from a previous role that I was in, um, where we were trying to engage um, some uh, alums from the Latinx community. And... I mean, all good intentions to engage that population, but we just said, hey, let's go ahead and you know put a football tailgate event on together with um, our Hispanic alums and registration did not meet our expectations. And unfortunately we had to cancel that event. And that was just a, a good learning experience that, hey, this may not have been the way to connect and get them to opt into having a conversation or even just setting foot on campus. So again, it goes back to what Dolores was saying about having those conversations about what I just said on testing. And then the next step is don't assume that what you come out is like the end all be all for all group types or populations that you're trying to engage.
1: So Dolores, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, I would say um, do put yourself out there and then try and engage. And once you do get through that testing phase, make sure that you're you're willing to take um, no for an answer. So you can do everything right. You can listen to an advisors, you can cultivate someone and they can still say no, but don't let that transfer to, you know, I tried and it didn't work just because you don't always get the results that you want um, and don't label that entire you know population that way and just keep an open mind. Um, It's going to take some time to build those relationships. So do, you know, give yourself some grace and just learn along the way. Don't be afraid to fail.
1: Okay, I
0: like that. I think that's really good. Before we get back to our interview, need help recruiting experienced and qualified applicants for your nonprofit job openings? Posting your job openings with the Greater Cincinnati Nonprofit News will help you reach thousands of experienced nonprofit professionals each week. To learn more, go to our jobs page at jpsnonprofit.com.
1: So I know you're both members of AFP and active. And is there any information or resources related to this that you think would be helpful for our listeners to know about? Or maybe any upcoming trainings or classes you may be having?
2: So one thing that we are working on in the greater Cincinnati chapter of AFP is we are looking at potentially putting together a training um, for our board members and hopefully allowing that to extend to those who are members in their organizations um, that are affiliated with those members. Um, so that is something that we look forward to presenting to the community in the future. Um, and then our global, as I can let Adrian speak to a little bit more, they have provided a lot of resources to each chapter in in the space of idea, inclusion, diversity, equity, and access.
3: Absolutely, Dolores. Um, There are um, some chapter toolkits on the AFP Global website. Um, I'm hearing that through some of our affinity groups that the Global association provides also is another space where people can bring up questions that are very, um, either native to their organizations or something that they're seeing across the board when it comes to
1: engaging diverse populations. So one of the things that I also wanted to see if either one of you had examples of some successful engagements that, you know, related to fundraising with minority groups that might be a nice example to share with our listeners.
2: Um, I think right now in our campaign at, at the University of Cincinnati, um, we are looking to put a focus on social justice issues um, that have come to the forefront, um, much to the the request of some of our donors that have, you know, led the charge and and, put up their own personal time and, and investment into these programs. So I, I have been working closely with some of our, our donors in engaging some of their networks and um, don't know necessarily that it was intentional based off of race, but the, the programs are speaking to a broader um, service to the community. And I think when you take a stand and you invest, um, and prioritize programs like that, I think that you will yield a greater population of donors and a more diverse population of donors, because those are some of the programs that they may
1: have passion about. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have anything to add to that, Adrian?
3: Yes. Um, I just thought of an example of something that, um, I've only done it one time and I felt that it was successful and then COVID happened. And now I am thirsty to uh, get back to doing this. And so when I first started at the women's fund of the greater Cincinnati foundation, um, we were right in the middle of soliciting sponsorships for our signature fundraising event, which was formerly known as a conversation with, and um for some reason, I became really invested in creating a pipeline that included women-owned and minority-owned businesses um, that we would invite to be sponsors for the Women's Fund. And because I was very new to the corporate um, spot or being responsible for all corporate sponsorships for the Women's Fund, I was like, what would be the best way to bring them into our space? Um, so I invited um, about 40 women business owners and minority business owners to our new office space to our new GCf office space for breakfast um, and just to hear a little bit about the women's fund and actually formally invite them to consider being a sponsor um, of the women's fund some of the business owners in the room had never been asked mm-hmm. um, and were like I've never been thought of in this in this way. Um, And even just uh, talking to them about in-kind donations and really trying to meet them where they are as an organization. um, Just let me know. It was very confirming that this was something that would appeal um, to business owners and trying to get them to sponsor our work. So I'm looking forward to having more happy hours or even more breakfast where business owners could collectively get together. Um, It helped them expand their network. I get access to potential um, partners that care about women's economic self-sufficiency,
1: so. No, that's that's wonderful. I think that's a, a great strategy and nothing like getting to know people, right? And just really being in the room and chatting. And I think it's interesting, your data sort of, or your anecdotal data confirms what we had talked about earlier that You know, a lot of minority groups report that they're never asked. So, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, our time's about up. Any final thoughts before we wrap up?
2: I would say that it is a learning process. And like most things, it's going to take effort um, and and time and patience to yield the type of results that you want, Um, but also come at it from an authentic lens and understanding that These are people that you are trying to learn more about and you are trying to understand what motivates them. And to do that, you need to really sit down and listen and you really need to take the good with the bad. Understand that some experiences may not have been positive, but that's not necessarily them canceling out your organization. That may just be them asking you to listen to their perspective and use your, your organization's mission, your space to make a change in
1: that space for the next person along the way. Wonderful, okay, thanks for sharing that. So Adrienne, you ready to share your joke?
3: I sure am, everybody get ready to laugh. This oh, is, this, this, is-, is a, <laughs> this is a gut buster right here. So here's my joke.
1: <laughs> Why didn't the invisible man donate? So why didn't the Invisible Man donate? I don't know. Not because he was broke, because he could not see himself
3: doing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a great one to share with your development committee meeting. I love that. Thank you, Adrian. That's a great one. Very, very grateful for our topic today. Well, thanks for joining us. And don't forget, it's easy to share our podcast with your colleagues, board members, and volunteers. You can download our episodes on our podcast page on our website at jpsnonprofit.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for Nonprofits Let's Cut to the Chase.